If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Welcome to Pixel Sift Radio Murdoch's weekly video game show. Each week we sift through the clues, the secret writings and the news to bring you the finest video game commentary. I'm Gianni and this is the ninth episode and joining me in the studio are my co-hosts Mitch and Scott. Hey, hey. Hello. This week we're looking at when games break into our world. Yes, uh, we're going to be talking about ARGs or alternate reality gaming and using the real world as a platform. Do you dig out your old consoles and play some of your old favourites? Would you prefer it if you're able to play all of your games on the one device? We're going to be looking into backwards compatibility, whether it's a big feature, whether it's something you actually want from your consoles and what you're playing currently, and um, what sort of examples, I guess. We've had a big uh, update recently which kind of brought that on to one of the newer platforms. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on. First up today, though, when it works out... It's great, and it really increases immersion. And when it doesn't, it's really awful, and it throws you completely out. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about advertising and product placement of video games. Like, um, just has it really impressed you, or have you just found that it was just ham-fisted in there to make money? All that and more coming up on Pixel Sift. You're listening to Radio Murdoch, the student wave. Pixel Sift! It's not Pixel Sift. It's Pixel Sift. Pixel Sift! Tuh. So, we were talking about some of the advertising that you might be able to see in all sorts of products, and it's not a sort of surprise that young people and people of all ages, I guess, are watching less and less of TV and other forms of media and other ways that advertising would have been included into... Yeah, they hate that linear narrative now. Exactly. It's dying. So, it's becoming more and more of a thing. It's been in games for a long time. We've seen lots of examples of advertising that have kind of worked its way into gaming. And there are plenty of examples of where it's worked brilliantly and there are plenty of examples of where it's been really, yeah, <laughs> really awful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of, uh, I don't know, just sort of nailed on there, shoehorned in there. Yeah. Well, I guess, like, there's a number of, like, I guess a good example of it would be Burnout Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of billboards and trucks that ran around that had Gillette logos on them. I thought that was all right because that was where you would, that's probably where you would actually see an ad for Gillette. Possibly. So Burnout Paradise, for people who don't know, is a car racing game. Yep. Basically, you race around a real city and you drive past billboards, which would normally have, I guess, static ads on it. And part of the clever technology that they introduced with this was they actually had dynamic and sort of changing ads. Yeah. So like as the, as the ads moved in and out of relevancy, I guess using some form of DLC, for lack of a better term, they would modify in the game. That's right. So as you were playing the game, people such as even in Barack Obama's first um, presidential campaign, as you were driving around the streets um, on in Burnout Paradise, you would see 
big banners for vote for Barack Obama. You can do this now. Or there's other ones as well. For yeah. example, um, another game that came out was one called um, Battlefield 2142. And in that they had ads for movies and soft drink and all sorts of other things as well. But, and that updated as these But where were those ads located? Like, were they, were they where ads would be? Sort in- of, yeah, they were. So in... Um, that you're sort of fighting in cities and stuff as well. So there's billboards and all that sort uh-huh. of thing as well. And there was one where you were kind of in like a, I guess, a container port. So there were a bunch of containers and on the sides of some containers there were ads for. See, that's not so bad. I mean, I don't want to get it. I, I don't want it to be like movies when, you know, you see a huge product placement and it kind of gets you out of it, uh, you know, it shunts you out of the mystique of the movie. I want to see bullbirds and stuff like that utilized uh, for like the real world. I, I can't help but feel that would be awesome, especially right. like and you say like you know um, have it in a DLC pack, so you know every month like it might be upgraded to be more relevant than what's happening right now. I mean, games have been doing this for a while, like doing relevant uh, kind of advertising for their games. I mean, look, FIFA is I think they've been doing it since like. 94 or whatever, having Adidas or uh, ads and stuff. All right, so what do you think of this? In in uh, Rainbow Six Vegas 2, there was a Dodge Nitro, it's a car, kind of sat in the car park, and every other vehicle in that environment was destructible. You could damage it, except... Wait, what game was this? this right? This is um, Rainbow Six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a bit that's a bit weird, isn't it? That's well, I'll tell you what, it? if you want uh, reliability, maybe you should <laughs> yeah. go pick up that particular brand of car. Yeah. Um, that seems funny. I guess, obviously, that... It's in a game. It's a mm-hmm. real car. So you're kind of like, well, this is supposed to be a real world context. So I guess that kind of makes sense. But then you're kind of thrown straight out again because it doesn't behave in the it, way that every other car see, in the that's car park the issue, does. issue, I feel. You get this gray area where they're going to be unfairly biased to a certain product to put it up on this pedestal that I guess they have bought from them kind of thing. Mm. But if they keep it... Uh, you know, fair, I guess. They can allow, like, like I said, have those billboards there every month and make them buy space, like, just like they yeah. would in the real world. Like, I uh, remember I think that's amazing. Um, a version of Need for Speed Most Wanted. I think it was like heavily sponsored by BMW. So, like, the BMW M3 was like the best car in the game. And so, like, you would that would be the last car you could unlock. And it was like, well, it. I guess that's cool, but it's not beating a Lamborghini, is it? Yeah. But in the game, within the context of the game, because it was heavily sponsored by BMW, it was the best car in the game. Yes, and that that's was, it. That, I don't want yeah. the advertising to affect the game in a yeah. kind of negative way. I don't want it to be an indestructible dodge, whatever, yeah. and, like anywhere, especially in a game where you're supposed to be able to blow th- stuff up all the time. In um, the movie tie-in game for the Matrix movies, which most people would like to forget, um, <laughs> there was a quite heavily focused, your in-game menu was based on a Motorola phone. And it was a particular but, phone that you could actually buy. It kind of slipped uh, out. But and that's interesting because in The Matrix, that phone is a big part of the character, right? Yep. Like, I mean, yeah, I guess. so. But yeah. it was all over it and there was lots of other mm. ads and things like that. There's yeah. been plenty of other examples where uh, ads have kind of been injected into games and some of them are static. I think um, in Infamous 2, you can go past a, you know, a subway restaurant or something like that and it's oh, in the yeah. game and apparently uh-huh. the whole city's been destroyed except for that particular restaurant, no. so yeah, that's fine. Yeah, see, that, that's a bit... Um, but yeah, if you're talking about sports games and things like that, there are plenty of good examples of, of how you could use advertising to sort of decrease the cost of a game that is going to be a yearly title. Mm-hmm. Every year you're going to get a new version of it where they've updated the player profiles, they've slightly increased the the graphics. And um, you could use, if you play a game like, for example, the um, 
NBA games, they when you watch, when you play the game, they're edited and they're put together in such a way that it looks exactly like the broadcast of an NBA game is when you're actually watching it. Which is what you want when you're playing well, a game I like think that. that. It feels like you're... And a lot of the people they have who are commentating on it are actually the commentators of the NBA. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they, again, they do. this is a sport thing, I guess. I mean, sport really has revolutionised... Uh, sport gaming, sorry, has really revolutionised the way we view it. Um, you know, they've they've increased... The amount of entertainment, because we come to expect that from the wicked amounts of games we'll get given. I mean, yeah, uh, FIFA does it with their commentators as well. They record just squillions of different lines kind of thing. So it seems like you're really there immersed in it. And I think it would be pretty good as well for people who are um, watching these uh, or, or watching or playing these games. When you have these advertising and... It's kind of, I guess, it kind of knocks you out, especially if you're playing from an Australian context, because mm-hmm. they've got ads for these things that we don't know anything about. Yeah. And so you're like, well, that's kind of annoying because it's kind of... In- but you, if you had dynamic advertising in these particular games, well, you could have it that, well, instead of having some particular US brand, you have the Australian equivalent. Well, or- here's the thing. If a game is set in the USA and you're driving down the street in Los Angeles, for example, in Midnight Club, mm. and then you see an ad for Milo and Vegemite, I mean, that might do the opposite, and I don't think people would like that. Like mm. a, the, it's like a way I don't to know, like, though, to be honest. Because it's region-specific. Yeah. I mean, like, you, you know, you, it wouldn't be a shock for you to see Milo if you were seeing it all the time. Like, That's true. Um, but, like, um, sorry if I just cut you, you off for one go, more go, second. Go. Um, if you just want to... When, I think, believe Dead Island attempted to region... Regionize? Guess, like, region, well, what's the word? I guess, like... Yeah, localize. They localize their game by giving their characters Aussie accents that weren't nice. Mm. Like they never had spoken to an then, Australian in their life. Yeah, and it just didn't sound good at all. And then that the backlash to that was pretty dear. Like the people that were using the Australian version of the game were changing it to the American version. That sounds shocking. Anyway, uh, yeah. I had that there, that fake done Australian accent. It makes me laugh. I do love it. But uh, look, you know. Um, there's a lot of money to be made out there, I think. Um, I think done well, ads can be really good. And I'm not afraid of... I'm not someone who's absolutely against advertising. Mm-hmm. I think it could be really cool to have um, ads in a game that sort of make it seem more real. Um, yeah. But then, you know, it's, I guess it's a, a creative balance between the two. You do want to do it to sell more ads or do you want to make a game that well, has ads as a consequence? To make more money from the game, isn't that? That's kind of the reason they make it. And I've got actually got a nice stat here from Forbes. Uh, according to them, in-game advertising is ex- expected to reach $7.2 billion in 2016. And I mean, that's without even kind of cashing in on the ideas that we've just had. You know, it's, it's a huge industry for them to be able to make revenue from the game, but beyond the actual creation of the game and beyond the purchase of the game even. All right. Well, here, here's something different. What about games that are created just to advertise? For or example, that, that Burger King racing game and like that Toyota Yaris game on the Xbox 360. It's actually like, what, coined what Adver Gaming. Adver Gaming. Adver Gaming. Adver Gaming. I believe. I All believe. right. Yeah. I don't know. The game can be fun and yeah. it can still sort of have a, you know, an advertising aspect to it. But I don't know. I think that kind of crosses the line into... You're starting to get to that browser spam type stuff mm. you get, you know, yeah. like the, the shoot a chicken, win a thousand million dollars for nothing. Oh, you've just won a new phone. Congratulations. You're the one billionth visitor. Yeah. I, got an uh, idea, I got an idea for you, Mac. Is instead of a McDonald's toy, just make a bunch of QR codes that unlock games. Yeah. Done. Mm. Sponsor put, a game. Put, put it on the box. That's my idea. You can have that. Could be like uh, yeah. when they used to give out games with the cereal back in yeah, the exactly. back in the day. Ooh. Yeah, I've yeah the first actual um, advertised packaged game was uh, a cereal box, I believe. There you go uh, on a CD drive. Right. So there's, I guess, advertising is a big part of our life. 
obviously we are on a community-supported uh, radio station, so yeah. we're not going to advertise too much. But <laughs> it's an interesting thing, and I think that if done well, it can be used to increase the... But if you would like to sponsor Pixel Sieved, you can email me. Yeah, no, you can get in touch with us. Yeah, um, yeah so I think it's uh, it's something that we're going to see more of, and I think done cleverly, ads can be done really well. Like, they can be great, you know, but mm-hmm. like some ads you go and share on social media because they're really great. And yeah. like gaming, I think it's got to make sense in the context of what it is. You can't just, you know, shoehorn yeah. it in there. No, and, I don't and think so. It it there, need, so. Th- some effort needs to be put in to create a good context and... Do, yeah. do like res- yeah do re- loyal respect to just you be a game. bit responsible about respect it. the context yeah yeah you're listening to pixel sift whether pc handheld or console pixel sift radio murdoch this week uh the developers of the game binding of isaac released a final content update for their afterbirth expansion for that game Basically, when the game came out, uh, the loyal fans of the game, it was sort of like a semi-backlash, I guess, because a lot of the content that was promised didn't seem to be actually in the game. Oh, they got Peter Model nude. Yeah, and everyone's going, hang on, what the hell's going on here? So people started digging through, and it actually turned out that the content was actually locked behind something that was called something that is coined an alternate reality game. So if you're hearing about this content before and you've never heard of it, it's basically when people use real-world interaction and real-world experiences and investigation to unlock things in in games and movies and all sorts of stuff. Quite often it's used as a marketing sort of um, platform in terms to, you know, draw attention to uh, the game itself. But this one here, it was kind of like a, I guess... I guess a crowd mystery that everyone had to kind of get in on and trying to investigate the topic. Part of it included, you know, finding posters in the real world and looking at icons for achievements and working out them equivalent to uh, like an Imgur link, an Imgur link, Mm -hmm. go to that link, find information there. You know, once you've got the poster in the real world, you had to go look at the number and then on the back of them there was a code and you had to work out what the number was. You call the number and there's a recorded message. And Interesting. You had to go through all this stuff. In the end, like the final part of it was they found a, a little figurine and on the figurine was some writing and on that that corresponded to a Twitter account and on the right, on the little figurine it said, you know, this give this uh, character a voice. So you logged into the Twitter account and people started tweeting from the account and all of a sudden that uh, the account got the password got changed, another piece of content was unlocked, and the patch was pushed out immediately after that. So it's like so many different levels on how you can kind of get people to do, um, you know, interact with your game and become more engaged. So in, in, in the end, what is the benefit for that? Well, it, it, it takes, uh, it removes the boundaries of a video game, basically. Like the game doesn't start and stop when you click the, you know, machine on. Right. You've got tasks that you complete in the real world. Um, and, and not only that, you've got tasks that you create uh, along with all your other people that are kind of doing this ARG. So, it, it's a team. It really becomes like a team thing. I guess if you really want to create a community that's like bind, a re- like really binded community around your IP, it's a good way to go about it. It's like super meta, you know, like <laughs> it's really kind of now, I guess, as well. Um, people looking for like, uh, you know, that next step of the game. And it's also a little like, you know, cool, cool niche pocket as well, like this whole like, um, a lot of the developers come out like not even advertising a game. Like this is not a game. I think is one of the kind of tags. Right. Yeah, they sort of deny it, deny it, and they'll hide, hide all these little clues and things. And I think it's a good. It's the whole aesthetic of the game. It's like it's not a game, but it is. And it's it's not. It's it's real world, but it's not. Um, yeah, like I said, it's a bit meta. <laughs> it's 
they've done very cleverly, and they've been there's some pretty good examples of previous ones that they've used during the Halo Two era. Um, there was a for the launch of the game, there was a an ARG website. Um, called I Love Bees. Yeah. You can look mm. up all the details on that one. But basically what happened was that it was like an alternate reality had somehow the Halo universe had crossed over. There was yeah. time travel involved. There was an, a rogue AI that had hacked onto this thing. There was countdowns and people going to different bits and pieces. I think people there, people standing near pay phones yeah, waiting the, for them to ring. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it was all at the same time. There was a bunch of different pay phones that they were figured out were like, you know, um, longitudinal and latitudinal... Um, so <laughs> places yeah. on the earth and anyway they went to they found out they're all payphones so they sent a bunch of people out to every single payphone and yeah it rang at a, they all rang at a certain time and gave yeah. more information I can't and exactly. by they it was the community independently of any well, organisation did you've it you've got these um, what are called uh, puppet masters I guess and these are the people that are part of the developing, development of the story and the game and whatever and they're, they're giving you a little bit nuggets of information I guess in whatever way it's like sometimes they're working against you Sometimes mm-hmm. they're working with you. They, it's a very kind of strange relationship, I guess. I think there's also a, a level of suspicion of disbelief as well regarding them. Like, I mean, you've got to be invested in the IP, first of all, and then... Oh, it's a huge you know. thing. I, and that's the thing. I, but you have these communities of people that this is this is their gaming. This is what yep. they do. Uh, and, and all they do is solve mysteries online. Why that's not? all they do. I mean, we, we kind of covered this last year. Uh, sorry, last week with the uh, myths and stuff as well. Mm. Like, um, yeah. you know, the, the one that we discussed in GTA with the, the aliens. There was like a ARG inside the game almost, you know, like... Uh, and people I, trying to work out the clues and, yeah, and find other bits and pieces. The game within the game. Yeah, um, it's... I think it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's really clever. And, and a lot of these things... Super clever, yeah. I, I always love to watch the... Read the wrap-ups from them because Lord knows I'm not smart enough to work out all these things. Yeah, that's Absolutely why I respect not. it so much. And I'm like, this is wicked. I wish if I could pay ta- ta- pay ta- take part in this. Yeah. Some of the people that design these things often said that there's challenges when they're designing games that they can't design them to be as complex and as difficult as they want because there's a barrier for when people are playing games on a console or on, on PC yep. and where if it's too hard, it's not fun and then people don't want to play it anymore. Mm. So, But if you do something like an alternate reality game, which is just extra stuff on top, you can put in these really sort of fiendish, clever puzzles mm-hmm. and people who love that sort of stuff can get in on it and, you know, make it really cool. And then reading afterwards, you can read about all you, that. You always wonder, like, with games, there's, like, like, super secret hard things that you never ever figure it out. But, you know, somebody figures it out somewhere yeah, and it someone, spreads. Yeah. Those people, those are the people that are ARGing, like, really hardcore. There's been lots of good examples of this in other forms of media as well. And I think it's, um, you know, there's movies and, yeah, and like TV a, shows. Like a, a nice and stuff. This is even goes back to the, you know, choose your own adventure books sort of thing. Yeah. Like, this like, idea isn't new. Real a nice world. example of an ARG is a very simple version of it is the Blair Witch Project. Yep. When that came out, just it was, looks like found footage and it looked really creepy. And I think it was, how was it delivered? Was it on YouTube? Was it, was yeah, there was little bits on YouTube yeah, and bits online. On YouTube and, and then like, so things like that. And the Cloverfield movie, I believe that had something to do with it. Something similar. Yep, yeah, similar, yeah, all sort of those fan idea. footage movies, and so they, those. If 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 anybody's looking for an example of a very simple version of that, that's what we're referring to. There's different okay. lines as well between between having like I guess sort of you know virally sort of marketing campaigns and actually having a game as well. That's true. So the I Love Bees thing was definitely a game. Yeah. Um, the Binding of Isaac one was definitely a game as well, where people had to go and solve clues and and report back and and coordinate with people and stuff like that. All the aspects of a game that you would expect yeah and then i guess i mean obviously there's some criticism with these as well where people say well you know they kind of just use as marketing sort of things and well they can be yeah but they're also they can be very clever and very entertaining um it's i guess it's all in what you do with it 
definitely something to check out as well. I think if you're going to be having a look at that, we're going to put a link up to the Binding of Isaac sort of wrap up. Mm-hmm. There's like a little, um, I guess, a, it's kind of a rundown of all the things they do. Some of the stuff you're just like, man, who would have even think to do this? I've seen one where where people have got to, had to use like video clips and they have to run it through uh, a spectrograph machine yeah. and find an IP address and then go to the server and then check all the IP addresses that are shared for other sites. Yeah, some of the solutions to the problems when I was like researching this topic a little bit, it, would just, it blew me away. I would just never in a million years even think to... That's it. To, people love a mystery. People love a challenge. I think these games are only going to get bigger and bigger. Let's have a think back about some of the other things that we've been playing in the past. We're going to go on to our next topic now. Pixel Sift. All things video games. Radio Murdoch. So, if you have picked up an Xbox One and you're probably thinking, oh, man, there are, I mean, apart from this week, which are, there's are heaps of different new games, but maybe you want to go back and play some of the older games that you were playing in the past. And they've just released a big update, which has brought a lot of Xbox 360 games over onto the new next generation console and sort of, you know, let you play the games of, of your previous generation. Maybe if you have got a few games that you haven't ticked off your list since, uh, you know, a busy year at uni or a busy year at work or something, you can now go back and check out some of the other games while you're waiting for some of the, I guess, next generation ones coming out. I'm a big fan of backwards compatibility, and it was a big factor to me buying a one a PlayStation 2 console um, over an Xbox to start with. I came from the PlayStation generation, and I played a lot of games on my PlayStation 2 that were actually out on the PlayStation. Um, some of the, I guess... Uh, you know, very famous RPGs and things like that that still have a lot of life in them and things like that. And, yeah, having this sort of availability of extra content that you previously would have maybe missed out on or maybe you want to go back and play. And and even on the Xbox 360 era as well, when we were playing that, we would go back and play the original Halo 2, as we mentioned with the ARG as well, and that came out, and, yeah. and run that and play that with because we had an Xbox and we had an Xbox 360, and then we had two cop- copies of the yeah, game well, and we could play together. The thing is, like... Going into this current generation console war, I guess, when they were both being speculated on and people were talking about them to no end, backwards compatibility kept popping up as an issue or the lack thereof. And people were very angry that it wasn't available. And I thought, well, it's not like the old consoles are really going away. Like, they're not going to destroy them all and then you won't be able to play your old console unless you're so, the case of your playstation yeah, 3 which uh, has yeah unless my playstation 3 that has decided to disintegrate decided to become petulant yeah yeah but i guess i i personally didn't really understand why people cared so much about backwards compatibility well I, like i was we were discussing it discuss, discussing earlier you know backwards compatibility as far as you know the current consoles hasn't really been an issue until i guess a few consoles back um, you know, the PlayStation to PlayStation 2, the, I don't know, before that it was cartridges. We didn't really have that issue because it was always such a huge, uh, you know, upgrading graphics or whatever. Um, it's starting to become less and less of a problem now with, uh, you know, download content and whatever. But I think as long as there's a huge amount of kind of support for the older games that came along, I think there's always going to be a huge support for, for the need for backwards compatibility, whether uh, it's going to be beneficial to the developers or not. It seems to me that this is a very, I guess, kind of consumer-friendly policy when they bring in Mm -hmm. things like um, backwards compatibility. I don't know that it would be, I guess, that financially successful for them. Um, Well, I'm having a look at some of the games that are now available on Xbox One. Um, Assassin's Creed 2. 
Yeah. Um, the only ones that are really sticking out for me are like Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, I guess it's like crazy tax on here. If they're launching good enough Dirt games 3. with the new release of the console, the need or cry out for backwards compatibility isn't going to be as great, I feel. Um, at the same time, I like, say, what PlayStation 3 did with the PlayStation 2 games uh, instead of... Uh, well, at some point, they stopped doing the black backwards compatibility with the actual consoles. So, instead, you could just uh, download the games from the PlayStation Store and you still had a software compatibility, just not a hardware compatibility. Yeah, so, current, so um, as of the launch of backwards compatibility on the Xbox One, 104 titles will be available. Which would probably be your yeah. big mainstream ones. I mean, there's That's thousands yeah, yeah. of titles that would have come out on the Xbox 360 in the year. Um, no doubt. But, that, I mean, what looking do you pref- at it, there's, there's, there's a good chunk of games there. What do you prefer? Do you prefer an HD up-res version re-release having to buy the game again? Or would you prefer to be able to just play it on uh, on your current console or your new generation console in, in its original glory? Um, I guess I would like the upgrade. Yeah. I mean, if... If, if that's an option, if, if backwards compatibility is my only option, then sure, I, I, want, I want the ability to still play whatever game I'm still in love with. But would you feel hard done by if they were like, no, nah, we def- definitely can't do backwards compatibility for these particular games? I mean, not And then they go all of a sudden, oh, sh- you can get the uh, you know, HD Blu-ray edition or whatever. I prefer that. I like your developer voice, by the way. Yeah, it's very uh, professional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, but like, uh, I guess the closest example i have is gta 5 when that came out on the ps4 i was like the first in line Mm. i guess and that was like that was well worth it i think if you if you can remaster well i guess gta 5 is not really a good example because that was built for current generation wasn't it and then down resed for if you've got a game like that like that like i said if you've got the option to go to a hd version or a better version i i, I want i mean i don't feel like i'm alone here i want to do that every single time i don't want there to be have to be held back i think that happened with the new gran turismo uh it hasn't been released on ps4 am i wrong like as, so. as its own no. version yeah so that was an issue for me because I, I like my card games and i was like well i want to i want the newest gran turismo but i want i want it also to be ps4 you know Level Res. graphics. Mm. Do you go back and play many old games that you've played before? Do you dig out the old console or would you play it on a, a backwards compatible current gen console? I would, I would, you, I would. I would play it on a current gen console, yeah. I wouldn't dig out my old one. Have you gone back in previous generations and, and played old games on, on things that were back, backwards compatible? When I had my PS2 that did that uh, and my, PS, oh, my old PS3 that still did that, I used to do, yeah. But now I don't have any of those things anymore. My PS2 is gone and I've got a newer gen PS3 still that doesn't do the backwards stuff. Like I said, it just still does software-wise because I'm pretty sure I have um, San Andreas on my PS3 like as a digital download mm-hmm. and uh, that work runs fine. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit cubey. But it's all right. It's the authentic experience, the cubiness yeah, of that game. It's still such a cool game. Yeah, yeah. I um, yeah, I do like playing, going back and playing all these older games. And I guess with any particular thing, especially in the disc generation of games, not so much cartridges so much, but when you have discs and moving parts, it's always a part that's going to fail on you. And I've had a lot mm-hmm. of older like Xbox consoles where the CD drive just died. Yeah. Um, and you couldn't actually play your games anymore. Yeah, I have an original Xbox at home, and yeah, that CD drive is. I guess fifty percent. Yeah, yeah. like sometimes it re- doesn't read, it doesn't go through yeah. there. Uh, the opportunity to have like a a downloadable content. I think with the the new versions of the Xbox One, you can go and put your original disc in, and then it will download a digital version of. Oh, is that so? Yeah. Cool. So 
Yeah, see, I don't know how I feel about this anymore. I've kind of changed my tune since the start of this, all this. I, at the start, I was like, uh, feeling quite strongly about it. And now I'm not sure you guys are making me sway. <laughs> well, like advertising, I think it has to be done in a respectful way. And, it needs yeah. to be done in a way that's going to be, uh, I guess, helpful to the gamer for people. So people who've already spent a lot of money on these things don't need to keep an extra console around. Maybe they can give that console to a, you know, someone else or they can donate it and, or do something like that. Well, or- the thing is... Uh- a number of different ways, like backwards compatibility is being addressed in a number of different ways now. Like, A, can you just stick the disc into the machine and it'll play? Or if you put the disc into the machine, it'll let you download it, a digital version of it. Or That's a wicked compromise. Yeah. That's or, a great compromise, actually. Do you have to just buy an HD release? I mean, I wouldn't consider buying an HD release com- backwards compatibility. That That's just not what that is to me. Because no, I think that's giving you all options. Yeah, As we were talking, catering for all. I mean, and this is what I wanted GT6 to do, but it didn't. It came out shortly before PS4 was going to come out, and it didn't say that they were going to release it on PS4. And I was like, well, that's just disappointing. You have to wait for like, what, five years for the next one to come out on the new console? Sad state of affairs. <laughs> that's Scott's Scott. take. Hot take, Scott. Scott. is not happy. Um, I think, as we were talking in previous weeks, there's, a, I guess, a digital cultural archival sort of aspect of this as well is that you're going to get to a point where these things aren't going to be physically playable anymore and how do we you know do we have to make sure that we've got one pristine xbox 360 that we can play so if everyone we can go one year a day uh, one day a year we're going to pull out the console and we're going to pick one game to play or it would be be nice i mean with nintendo's they used to do some kind of compatibility with game boys and stuff that stayed the same um if discs are going to stay the same i mean all my playstation games my playstation 2 games and soon to be ps3 games are going to be wasted and gone forever now yeah but if they'd had some kind of compatibility option the whole way through we still have a ps4 playing i don't know crash bandicoot if we really if we really wanted to nintendo has for a long time been one of the champions of backwards compatibility even down to their battery packs even fit in new versions of the consoles and like like the wii that's the remote battery pack fits in a game boy advance that's pretty really yeah you know that game boy advance that looks kind of like a psp yeah uh yeah yeah yeah, like it's kind of like wide and the buttons on either side of the screen yep it fits the battery pack from that fits in it and it works. That's, it's like a 64 so, controller. Yeah, yeah, so even on that level, Nintendo has been one of the champions. So I think... But now they're moving into like the new style of backwards compatibility where their old games are available for digital download. So I think re- yellow, blue, and red version of the Pokemon games are available on Virtual Console. That's wicked. They're coming, I think. I'm not GameCube, sure exactly yeah. when. GameCube yeah. games were playable on the original Wii as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And were, that were. That not had the family ha- edition or anything, though. Yeah, yeah there you go. But so, that, that had hardware as well. It's, yeah. um, it's I guess, a, when it's done well, it's great. And I think more of it would be better. More options are better, especially with being able to introduce people to games that probably would not have been able to play them in the past. And, Absolutely. And go from there. Concur. <laughs> That's pretty much all we've got time for today. That was a another episode of Pixel Sift. Thank you for tuning in. You can check out our website. It's www.radiomurdoch.com forward slash Pixel Sift. Scott, where can people find us on social media? They can find us at facebook.com forward slash Pixel Sift or twitter.com forward slash Pixel Sift. And Mitch, if people want to listen back to our previous episodes, where are they going to head to? Yeah, you can check us out on our Radio Murdoch page to stream episodes or subscribe to our podcast on either iTunes or using the RSS link on our page. And if you give us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would really help us out. Much love for that. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week. We've got a special surprise for our 10th episode, so keep an eye out for that. Fingers crossed we can actually pull that off before the thing. But 
it. Oh, we're doing that. Yeah, we are. Nice. We're going to do it. Sweet. All right. Thanks, guys. We will see you next time. Bye. Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled.